this is Scott Greenia from Fairfax, Vermont, also known as Scotty DeQ, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Central Show. It's the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. And I am your program host, Greg Rippey. Happy to have you aboard here for the uh, Live Fire Barbecue and Grilling Show. If you want to jump in, more than happy to have you. Phone call 216-220-0966. If you would rather email the show, you can do that as well. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Coming up in about 12 minutes from now, all you have to do is know that it's the third Tuesday of the month, and that will bring a regular visit from Barbecue Hall of Famer, prolific barbecue and grilling cookbook author, just to name a few accolades. Accolades. Stephen Reichlin from Barbecue Bible will be joining us, of course. And we have a number of things to talk about, Stephen. Hmm. And we have a number of things to talk about with Stephen. Not the least of which might be some kind of Italian cattle that produces a succulent steak. Plus, much more. A lot of Facebook questions. Put that up. Yesterday, got a lot of reaction back to that, so we will stream through them one by one, and I will ask Stephen your each and every question. I'm not going to censor, so if you put up a stupid question, I will say your name, and then I will ask that question, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, So Stephen Reichlin, first segment. Then at 9.35, I'll be talking with the Chief Marketing Officer of Operation Barbecue Relief. Certainly no surprise that, once again, hurricanes riddling the uh, south and the east, the most recent, Hurricane Michael, and uh, that was about a week or so out, and they have been setting up shop and feeding hot barbecue meals down there each and every day. So we'll get an update from David Marks on what the operation and deployment has been like out there in that Mexico Beach area, and we'll also talk about what the needs are right now of Operation Barbecue Relief, certainly It probably goes without saying that cash money is foremost on the list, but maybe there are some other things that they could be looking for, like human help and labor and all that stuff. So David Marks at 9.35, and then we'll roll into the second hour 
And coming in in the second hour, two guests, same company, first-timers to the show. And I think this year, well, I don't want to contradict myself too much, but this 2018 show season has been one that has, in a good way, been riddled with conversations with pit manufacturers. And I'm very excited to talk with these two gents, and they have been doing it a very long time, or at least the company has, 30-plus years. A name that is synonymous with offset and quality cookers, of course, coming out of Texas. That is uh, Coy Christoffel and Ryan Zabroil. Oh, Ryan, sorry. Ryan Zabroil. Zaboral, sorry. Ryan Zaboral from Pits and Spits. First timers, Ryan Zaboral and Coy Christoffel. So, very much looking forward to talking with those guys. By the way, they're probably going to be a little bit more uh, downtrodden because they scored last second tickets to the Astros game. And I was just making my way downstairs, and somebody from Boston went grand salami Uh in the bottom of the or top of the eighth. So. That was like an eight to two game when I left at that point. So it's going to take a titanic comeback from the Astros to go up two to one. So we'll see what's happening with Ryan and Coy. But that's your lineup for this evening. Pits and spits in the second hour. Operation Barbecue Relief in about a half an hour from now. Stephen Reichlin about ten minutes from now. Two one six two two zero zero nine six six. Greg at the BBQ Central Show dot com. Are you following me socially? You better be. Both Instagram and Twitter are the same handles at BBQ Central Show. And of course, if you're watching here on Facebook, you're already a fan of my Facebook page, but at BB or I'm sorry, uh Facebook.com slash BBQ Central Show. If you want to find it. Let me quickly follow up with you on the Bubba Burger contest. Still no winner. Uh, Once again, it has gotten by me for a personal reason this past week. It could be a personal reason this coming week, but I'm going to try and get to it. Don't worry. The gear is still here. More importantly, the voucher for free Bubba Burgers is still here, so I will get a winner. You will see that in its transparent state. Don't worry about it. And I will try to get that winner announced over the course of the weekend and then re-announce uh, this coming, or in a week from now, uh, the 23rd, I believe it will be, so or the fourth Tuesday of the month. So that's the update for the Bubba Burgers. I have to rant about this just for the remainder of the Open, and then maybe I won't bring it up again until next segment. And I'm going to show you a picture of exactly what I'm talking about, because I don't want anybody to lose sight here. So I apologize if you're getting this on podcast, but there's no other way for me to show you because you're listening audibly. But let me pull this picture up. All right. This is a beautiful steak, perfectly cooked, plated, almost sexually, except for one thing. The steak is already cut, and I'm seeing it all over the place. Videos of people cooking steaks and then cutting the whole freaking thing in one felt swoop. More and more pictures of the same. What the hell are you people doing? 
This has to be just for the likes and just for the views. You want everyone to see what a freaking grill master you are, so this is what you're doing? In order to get the adulation you so deeply crave, you cut the whole steak up and one time? Great idea, except no one actually does that in real life. Are you telling me that at your house you cook your steak and then cut all of them up like that? Hell no, you don't. No one does that. I can tell you this. If I go to a prime steakhouse and they don't tell me in advance that they are going to cut my steak like that, that bitch is going back when it hits the table. There's no question about it. I know that you can grill a perfect steak. I know it's going to look perfect on the inside. There's no need for you to prove it to me by cutting that whole piece of steak up from front to back. If you are that worried about it, if you really need me and everybody else to see the fact that you have a handle on the grill, on the coals, on the temperature, you know when to pull it, you have your thermometer, you know everything about the grill, I get it. I get it. You really like your perfectly cooked steak. If you feel the need to press that down on me and some of your other followers on social media, do me the favor. Just take a swipe down the center of that steak, take the snapshot, and then upload. But please, for the love of beef, stop cutting the whole damn steak enough. Get that big stuff out of here. I mean, nobody's doing that. Show me roll video in your house, and you show me the normal human being that cooks steak and then takes it, like that porterhouse or T-bone or whatever the hell it was I was just showing you, sections out the tenderloin and the strip, cuts it all up, and then plates it back around the bone. Nobody's doing that, but nobody's doing it in their house. But more and more, they're doing it in restaurants. Don't do that to my steak, buddy. I want my whole beef. I want that whole thing to give. I'm urging you with peace and love. Stop cutting the whole steak up. It's losing heat. John Dawson weighing in. Remps, this is your fault. They do that so they don't have to bring the thermopen. John Touche. Touche. Hey, we've always believed that cooking outdoors should be easy because it can be, especially with the Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill. The Monolith is the world's first temperature-controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan. This means smarter control, greater freedom with automatic temperature controls. Easily choose your cooking time and temperature and let the monolith do the work of a sous chef or a barbecue pit master. With minimal effort, you now have oven-like precision at the grill and you can serve the tastiest, juiciest meals each and every time. 
Now, if you already have a Barbecue Guru controller and you purchase the Monolith, because it does have the fan built in, as I had just mentioned, you don't have to go buy a new controller. You can just hook that controller up to the fan and away you go. Now, if you'd like to upgrade that tech, certainly that is your prerogative. You can browse the website, bbqguru.com. Or if you have any questions, please call 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. Ask all your questions and they will make sure everything is answered. So when you place that order, when the box shows up, you're ready to rock and roll. All right, Stephen Reichlin coming up out of the break. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. Be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Butcher Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauces, grilling oils. All of Butcher Barbecue products have been tested on the competition circuit as well as in the backyard by pitmasters and by people just like me. Visit ButcherBBQ.com and stock up now. Always trust your butcher. Hey, my first guest seen here the third Tuesday of each and every month, a 2015 Barbecue Hall of Fame inductee, TV show host, a barbecue cooking class instructor, multiple-time author. Let's go ahead and welcome back to the show, Stephen Reichlin. Stephen, how are you, buddy? Doing great. How about you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Stephen. Always appreciate the time you make for the show. And a uh, number of different places that I wanted to jump around this evening, uh, the first of which, of course, everybody knows that at least one time during the year you do that Barbecue University at the Broadmoor, and it's a, a sweeping location. You do a lot of great cooking school stuff, but you did something it was a week or two ago called Barbecue Boot Camp a little further west. So uh, just a, a brief recap of that, maybe. Sure. This was a fun project. It was at the Alisal Guest Ranch and Resort in Solvang, California. If that name sounds familiar, well, that's where we taped the Project Smoke and Project Fire TV shows. So... Uh, I returned to uh, to Solvang to the Alisal for this barbecue boot camp, which was uh, co-taught by uh, the Alisal chef, uh, Chef uh, Anthony Edney, uh, Endy, uh, and we had several other uh, local food experts. Um, and uh, for me, it was just fun being back at the Alisal when it was not 40 degrees out and I was trying to grill in shirt sleeves as though it was summer. How many uh, participants or how many students were enrolled in this camp? 
I guess they had about 60 uh, participants, wow. uh, a local chef, Frank Ostuni. Uh, there was a pastry chef. Um, quite different than Barbecue University. You know, Barbecue University is, a, I'd say, more intense, a little more focused. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, 40 different grills and smokers for people to use. And this was uh, pretty much a uh, grilling demonstration, barbecue demonstration at Barbecue University, of course. Uh, people grill under my supervision, so uh, it was a much more participatory. But it was fun to be back. You know, one of your biggest fans also shows up there. Now, he's been to Barbecue University a couple times, but I got this picture. Here's a yeah. centralite Dennis Busso and a Stephen Reichlin right there. Uh, I mean, this guy is like, he's got to be like one of your biggest fans, I think. He's a big fan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, fun seeing him at Dallas Hall. It's going to be fun back at Barbecue University. But, you know, we uh, it's sort of a big family. We get a lot. Of, I don't know whether to call them repeats or recidivists, but uh, <laughs> we get a lot of people returning to Barbecue University uh, year after year, and that's fun for me because it's, uh, it's like a family reunion. Stephen, the other project that you have going on right now is the book called The Brisket Chronicles. We talked a little bit about that a couple months ago, but how is that project moving along right now? It is moving along splendidly. It's at what's called the uh, first pages stage. That means that the manuscript has been uh, submitted. It's been copy edited. The type has been set. Uh, the pages have been laid out. We're dropping in the photography. And it's time for me to go over it, you know, word by word, line by line, page by page. Uh, Make sure everything makes sense. Uh, you know, catch any repetitions of words you might not have meant to uh, to make. Make sure all the pictures line up, the captions line up, and uh, and this is this is really a big step because uh, pretty soon it'll be ready to go to the printers. Stephen Reichlin joining me here on the show as he does third Tuesday each and every month. So we were going to be talking a little bit about uh, steak tonight. I was talking to a buddy of mine who just got back. From a tour of Italy, I believe he was visiting for anniversary. It was a destination place that him and his wife had wanted to get out to, and so they finally made that happen. Of course, he's a big foodie, big barbecue and grilling guy, and he sent me a picture of this thing called, and I apologize for any uh, missteps here, but I believe it's called the Bistecca alla Fiorentina. Bistecca alla Fiorentina, right? which basically means steak in the style of Florence. Uh, and baby, basically what it is, it is a monster thick beef porterhouse steak uh, that is grilled over charcoal. And if you're feeling fancy, you serve it with a drizzle of olive oil. Or if you're feeling more Spartan, like most Italians are, you just uh, serve it with a sprinkle of salt. And this is coming from the Chianina cattle, is yeah, that right? That's actually pronounced the Chianina steer. And uh, Chianina is one of the great classic beef uh, breeds of Italy. Uh, like many uh, heirloom breeds, slowly disappearing because it's a very slow-growing uh, steer. Uh, doesn't produce nearly as much beef as uh, quickly as a breed like the uh, Black Angus. But you still find it in the Marche region uh, and in uh, Tuscany. And has a wonderful, uh, mild, sweet, deep, luscious flavor. In fact, if any of your viewers are uh, are watching us in Italy, you may have seen my show, Stephen Reichland Grills Italy, on Gambaro Rosso, and we devoted an episode to Florence. Uh, uh, we uh, went with my favorite bistecca master uh, to... Uh, First, we went to the butcher shop. We saw the, the whole sides of uh, steers hanging, how the bistecca is cut, 
how it's grilled over charcoal. They have a very interesting technique, too. So it's a super, super thick steak, right? Maybe three inches thick. Wow. Uh, conventional grilling on one side, then the other won't get it done to even Italian standards, which means still mooing in the center, uh, <laughs> but at least a little warm. So what they do after they brown both sides is they stand the steak up one end, and they let the heat get conducted through the T-bone to the meat to warm it up. Hmm. Uh, they're serving at about 105 degrees internal temperature, so that's Whoa. pretty rare by American standards. Yeah, I mean, are you good with that? I mean, are you at least used to that, or is that still a little bit of a hurdle for you? Hey, when in Florence, eat like the wow. Florentines. Yeah, I, I'm good with it. It's, it's such incredibly flavorful beef. The picture that he sent me, and I know you were able to, to pull a look at that, looked like they took you know the, the tenderloin part out and the strip part, and they cut it. And then they placed it back around the bone. I just did a three or four minute rant at the top of the open here of the show. And I'm wondering if we're not getting into this weirdo thing where restaurants at least, and and I do see it a lot with people on their social media when they cook steak. They're just taking the whole steak and they're just cutting it right up from the top to the bottom. You're seeing it in these high-end steak restaurants. Is this a trend that's starting to, to gain steam as it always been around. I know Peter Lugers has done it forever, but I haven't really seen it until the last five or six months where people are really cutting up the whole steak. To me, it seemed like it would go cold pretty quick. Yeah, it's, you know, somehow when they do it in uh, in Florence and they bring it to the table and they cut it to the table and it goes, you know, right from the cutting board onto your plate, it works but uh, when you they cut it out in the kitchen, then it has to sit under, you know, on a, a pass table under a heat lamp and brought out. You're right. It just uh, it cools down. So I like my steak that way when I'm in Italy, but I like a whole steak that I can cut up myself. Thank you, please, uh, in the U.S. I agree. Stephen Reichland joining us here on the show. All right. So I put out the call to the Centralites 24 hours ago. If you had one question you could ask Stephen Reichland, what would it be? And I got a laundry list of questions. Some ranging from absolutely credible, some ranging to absolutely ridiculous. Are you ready to answer all of these one by one? Fire away. All right, here we go. Uh, First one is from Chris Effa, and he says, Where do all those beautiful high-end and pits go after you use them on the show? Well, uh, the super high-end expensive ones go back to the manufacturers, uh, unless the manufacturer wants to donate them. And basically what we do after the shoot uh, a grill or two may go to thank a purveyor or supplier, but most of them go to the local PBS station where they are auctioned off as a fundraiser for PBS. Uh, question number two is from David Huff, and he says, what does it take for a grill master or a pit master or a chef to go from that position to a cooking personality? Is it luck, demeanor, looks, contacts? What gifts? <laughs> Well, um, you know, luck plays a big part. Hard work plays a big part. Being at the right place at the right time uh, plays a big part. And I would say having something to say, you know, uh, having something new to say and uh, passion, you know, passion and drive. Man, it's uh, it takes a lot of persistence to make it happen and a lot of rejections along the way. And uh, you've got to believe in yourself and what you want to do. Stephen, if I'm remembering correctly, I think I've posed that question to you before as far as when you were first coming out on television and it was, you know, barbecue you on PBS and you had said, hey, you know, when that camera first hit me, when I was first getting into it, it was a really uncomfortable scenario for me, something that you had to work through. So you got to also be cognizant of, hey, uh, you got to get all these things lined up. Oh, by the way, there's going to be a bunch of people looking at you and you got to look into a camera and be comfortable. 
Um, yes, and that is a, a very big part of the job, but you also got to be doing something at the same time. You know, your hands have to be moving. You have to be thinking that the camera is seeing a sequence that is different than your eyes are seeing the sequence, right? So when you're chopping, you're mixing, you're pouring, you're doing it the way the camera sees it. You got to move slowly so three cameras can follow you. One of those cameras focusing on an area that's roughly maybe two square inches. So, you know, if you just move your hands around, they'll lose you. There's a lot, a lot of moving parts going to television. All right. Uh, next question is from Mike Schilling. And he says, how does Guy Fieri get into the Barbecue Hall of Fame before Greg Rempe? By the way, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Any thoughts on that? Uh, by, by the way, Guy Fieri got into the Barbecue Hall of Fame before Stephen Reichlin, if we're pointing out truths here. Well, uh, you know, there was one year when I, I was actually nominated a few years earlier than I got into it, but they uh, chose to have the ceremony on Yom Kippur, which is uh, the most sacred Jewish holiday and incidentally a holiday when we fast. So I had to uh, turn it down that year. Um, you know, I don't know. He has better hair than I do. <laughs> <laughs> and me, too. I think everybody has better too. hair than me, no doubt. Uh, next question is from Jason Chance, and it is simply... How did your love of barbecue cooking start? Mm. You know, I think for me it was, uh, look, I love the flavor of grilled food. I love the act of grilling. But I think for me it was kind of more intellectual. And it was, uh, I've always been fascinated by the intersection of food and history and culture. And somehow they come together uh over barbecue around live fire cooking in a way that is so deeper, more universal, more meaningful than any other method of cooking. Because if you think about it, you know, if you have fire and you have food, you have barbecue. You don't need stoves, you don't need technology, you don't need cookware. And so I think I was just, just attracted by how primal and universal it was. Were you also attracted to the fact that you were going to be able to write about it? I mean, obviously you probably didn't realize that you were going to have the success that Barbecue Bible ended up being, but being the literature major and having that love of writing and reading, something exciting about being able to write about that too? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's I wrote Barbecue Bible. Um, I never thought while I was writing it would ever lead anywhere. I thought, you know, I'll finish it, turn it in, then I'll write a noodle Bible afterwards or I'll go into something else. But, you know, I, I like to say barbecue. I didn't find barbecue. It found me, and it found me and grabbed onto me, and I've, I've been hooked ever since. All right, uh, potentially loaded question here from John House. Last meal on death row, and by the way, you don't get to make the choice. I'm giving you option A or option B. A, boiled hot dogs. B, horse meat. Horse meat, no question. No question, yes. No, I like no, it. No question. Well, Definitive. Assume, assume they're going to grill it for me, okay, because grilled horse meat is – that is a classic of Basilicata in southern Italy, and they do amazing things with it. And uh, horse meat is a d delicious. It's um, uh, it's a little sweeter than beef. It's got a, a very rich, satisfying flavor and mouthfeel. However, I probably just alienated about three-quarters of your viewers there. Uh, so... Next question from Jeffrey Stone, and uh, you do have a little bit of experience here with this. Uh, best hurricane comfort spoon, uh, I'm sorry, best hurricane comfort food you have cooked on a charcoal grill. Jeff is actually asking from ground zero right near uh, Mexico Beach. 
Oh, man, I am so sorry, Jeff. Uh, it was undoubtedly one of the stews we made that says, you know, your freezer will keep food cold for about uh, maybe 24, 36 hours if you don't open the door. And then at that point, you got to do everything. So we set up a grill. All the neighbors brought whatever uh, food they had that was thawing, and we just threw it, in, threw it in a big pot and made this fantastic stew. Uh, and fed the whole neighborhood. I'm really sorry for your loss. Hope you're there, and I hope, uh, hope FEMA and help get to you soon. Next question hey, is... Hey, do you know if Operation Barbecue uh, Rescue is on the way to, to that part yeah, of Florida? Yeah, they've, uh, they've actually been deployed for the better part of a week, and I'm actually Good. having David Marks from OBR on right after you, believe it or not. So Fantastic. We'll That's great. Well, thank there. you all for your good work, guys. Uh, Larry Beasley is asking, other than mustard, what are some good binding sources for ribs or pork? Ooh, okay. So you mean, uh, I assume that means slathers. Correct. Well, my sort of big hot new slather that I'm using is a Korean condiment called gojujang. Mm. And it's a chili paste. It's kind of a, looks, you know, like a, a rust red color. It's thick. It's garlicky. It's spicy. It's very salty. It's very umami flavored. And it's not that exotic anymore. I mean, you know, Billy Durney uses it at Hometown Barbecue. Uh, so that's a good one. Another one that comes from uh, from Asia is uh, Japanese miso. That is a, a paste of fermented soybeans or other grains. Also a terrific binding paste. Uh, Larry, if you're asking for my two cents, I like Worcestershire sauce. There you go. And you know, you can buy powdered Worcestershire sauce, which is great to sprinkle on top of that mustard that you've applied as a base layer. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Now, next question from Mark Scheel. Favorite thing to eat doesn't have to be grilled or barbecue. Oh, got to be Maryland steamed crabs. I grew up in Baltimore and coming back to that last meal question, much as I think I would like a Texas brisket, it's got to be Maryland steamed crabs. Next question from Sylvie Curry, Lady of Q. What's your number one go-to outdoor cooking, grill, or smoker? Oh, boy, that's a toughie. Um, you know, I use a Weber kettle a lot uh, when I'm cooking steaks. I have a Grillworks, uh, you know, a Grillworks wood-burning mm -hmm. grill. Um uh, you know, Kalamazoo is always a pleasure to, to grill on. Um, you know, a hibachi. I mean, that's uh, I'm trying to give all both all ends of the spectrum and all price ranges. But I think a kettle grill, it's pretty tough to beat a kettle grill. Big green egg, too. You know, if you're doing long, slow smokes or overnight smokes, uh, that's a biggie. Next question is from Eugene Apicella. Does one buy the latest and the greatest and try growing into it, or does one start out with a basic cooker and then trade up at a later date? Ah, really good question. Well, I would say, um, coming back to that kettle grill, you know, if you can learn to cook well on a kettle grill, you can grill uh, on anything. So you're learning charcoal management, you know, you're learning direct and indirect grilling, you're learning smoking, heat control, tiered fire. Um, so, I, I mean, that might be a good starting point. But if you're thinking about buying a new grill, you already have one. I always recommend buying more grill than you think you need because that will stretch your creativity and you'll grow into it plenty quick. Danny Baker's asking, can Stephen Reichlin make a great pasta plate? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, be, I've been in barbecue for 20 years. By the way, uh, uh, Greg, this is the 20th anniversary of Barbecue uh, Bible this year. Really? Right? 20 years? Huh? Wow. Yeah, but... Uh, uh, 
I had a good 20 years of writing about other food before that. I've uh, written a couple. I wrote an Italian uh, cookbook, uh, and I have a new book coming out in Italy uh, this spring in Italian uh, from the Stephen Reichling Grills Italy show. Love pasta. All right. Uh, next question from Dan Handy. Oh, uh, you know, i got to tell you, by the way, yeah. uh, one of my greatest mistakes ever was uh, I, t- I had made like a – uh, spaghetti uh, Alfredo, and uh, I took it and I I had leftover and I put the cold congealed lump of noodles on the grill, grilled it over a direct hot fire, and the noodles got incredibly crispy and the sauce melted, and it was the most fabulous dish I'll never be able to reproduce again. But, really? Yeah, anybody wants to try that? That's pretty fun. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's going to do it for the questions. I wanted to reserve a couple minutes here at the end to let you know that while Stephen Reichland has already been inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame, a uh, month ago he was also inducted into the Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fame. So now Whoa! two times a Hall of Famer, and I wanted to leave you a, a minute or so, Stephen, to uh, make any kind of speech or uh, you know whatever you think would be appropriate at such a measured and momentous occasion. Well, Greg, that is a great honor, and I will cherish it right up there with the Hall of Fame and the Beard Awards and all. But I actually will take an opportunity to tell you how much I look forward to these interviews every month. You are a very smart guy, and you ask very intelligent questions about barbecue. You're very thoughtful. Your mind is very wide-reaching. And uh, I wish you all the success and even more more success because uh, you deserve it. This is a fantastic show. So thank you. I'm honored. Well, thank you for the kind words. And that is Barbecue Central Show guest Hall of Famer and Barbecue Hall of Famer Stephen Reichel. You find him right here the third Tuesday of each and every month. Stephen, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Good night, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks there guys. he is. Freshly minted barbecue Hall of Famer Stephen Reichlin. All guests appear via the Traeger right. Grills hotline. Mm-mm-mm. How about that? Yeah, man. Meathead with a great speech coming in. Uh, Stephen Reichlin with a great speech coming in. As soon as we have some more of these Barbecue Central Show guest Hall of Famers, we'll make sure that we allot them their respective. Speech times. Hey, Cook Shack manufactures smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience. Whether you barbecue in the backyard, on the competition circuit, or in a five-star dining facility, Cook Shack has a unit that will do the job. And with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, How-to videos, two blogs, smoke and grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, or Google+. Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion at Fast Eddie Moore. The FEC 100, PG-1000, always customer favorites. The PG-1000 can actually double as a smoker and a grill. Low and slow, hot and fast, the pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cook Shack Residential Electric Smokers, the number one smoker in the industry. So if you don't like the pellet stuff, here's a great option for you. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can make in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 
800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or visit the website, cookshack.com. That's cookshack.com. All right, we're back with David Marks, Operation Barbecue Relief. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers, Traegers, and Green Mountain Grills, and Louisianas, and Black Olives. Fast Eddies, Cook Shacks, you name it. Visit cookingpellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also visit amazon.com to purchase as well if you're not into buying from Cooking Pellets. Don't forget, Cooking Pellets does have a free app, so be sure to hit that up. Sometimes it alerts you when they have great shipping deals, so never fear. All right, my next guest, a competitive Barbecue uh, Pitmaster for Wilbur's Revenge Barbecue Team. Also owns Pitmasters LLC, which is a franchise of Famous Dave's Barbecue. And is the Chief Marketing Officer and a board member for Operation Barbecue Relief. The weather events and natural disasters continue. This past week, Hurricane Michael hit the Florida Panhandle and was rated as the strongest storm to hit that side of the state ever. So, back for an update, our friend and CMO of OBR, David Marks. David, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you, Greg? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Dave. Appreciate you making time for the show, as always. Um, all right, so we are, is it roughly a week or so out from Michael impacting the Florida Panhandle, uh, Mexico Beach, and uh, points uh, to the east, to the west, to the south. What's happening down there right now from a deployment situation? So right now we actually have two separate locations, one in Tallahassee and one in Panama City. Uh, these guys are out there just uh, hammering away, doing uh, absolute uh, amazing work. Uh, tonight, today alone, we serve just shy of 60,000 hot barbecue meals. 60,000? Yeah, the actual number, if we're going to get technical, is yes. 56,550. Wow. That's crazy tre- tremendous amount of food tremendous absolutely uh and, and honestly uh uh probably could use a couple more volunteers out there in our neck of the woods these guys are just uh, hammering it out when you're kind of pushing through that kind of a volume um people are working real hard and uh, as you can imagine the conditions are not exactly pristine so when did you guys actually start setting up shop and start rolling out those first meals so we actually arrived in Panama City and in Tallahassee on Thursday slash Friday, depending on who you were, but really got in late Thursday night or Friday and, and started setting up. Uh, things were pretty under control in Tallahassee, uh, but you know we put some pork butts on the smoker, just tried to get rolling. Uh, we served 3,000 meals without even being set up in the parking lot at Panama City. People just wow. starving. 
So when were you down there, Dave? So I actually haven't gone down there yet. I have uh, kind of played back half and been uh, just handling a lot of the back of the half uh back office stuff, if you will, water hookups, securing sites, insurance certificates, uh, getting food in. So I haven't been down there, but the guys have been telling me whatever you see on the news, whatever you think, you, you know, it's worse than they've ever seen. Yeah, because, you know, if I mean, I, I hate to start going in and comparing one hurricane to the next. But, you know, remember last year was a, a terrific hurricane season. Texas was affected, obviously, uh, the very southern part of Florida. And I mean, the I think it was, was that Irma that was like the you know 500 miles wide or whatever. I mean, it was a, just an absolute huge storm. So from a, a devastation standpoint or an impact standpoint, is this one worse than what they had seen last year? Or, I mean, are we talking pretty close comparisons? So, you know, we just came out of uh, Hurricane Florence in North Carolina and uh, really saw similar uh, flooding and that kind of stuff. Uh, I actually kind of somehow got involved in some active water rescue when I was delivering meals in, in a community. Just unbeknownst to me, things were happening. So this was that was very much like North Carolina. Uh, this is kind of this is different than anything we've seen. This this looks like a tornado and a hurricane. Um, you know, all these homes just blown off their their foundations you know in hurricane sandy we saw that but this is this is way different the path the the swath that's been cut looks a lot like a, a massive tornado and then you know counties like bay county where panama city is their entire sewer system's gone verizon doesn't have a single cell phone working they've lost their entire truck line i mean the the infrastructure is devastated is there any it's, is there any type of a lead time on when things are going to start to look somewhat normal or is it so bad that there's just no way to put a timetable on it? So, so if you're looking in like Tallahassee and those kind of places, uh, power's being restored, things are starting to get better. Uh, Bay County, that Mexico beach, Panama city beach, Greg, I, I, I think these people are in for years. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. David Marks joining me here on the show, uh, chief marketing officer for operation barbecue relief. So, you know, within the 24-hour time frame, you said you did close to 60,000 meals. From that first day to those 60,000 meals that we just talked about, where are you guys at total? Uh, just a few meals shy of 160,000. Wow. Tremendous. It's, it, and we're, we're, we're ramped up to do probably another fifty to 60,000 a day for the unforeseeable future. From a volunteer's standpoint, you mentioned that you might need some labor to, to kind of rotate in there. Uh, how many folks have rotated in and out over the course of those, you know, seven, eight days or so? So honestly, when, when we're trying to do this thing, we, we like to see uh, on a site doing 30,000 meals a day, some function of like 100 volunteers. We're probably doing it right now with around 45 to 50. Uh, we have tapped some guys out. Some uh, some folks have already been real tired from uh, the last deployment, have kind of come in and gone out. And, um, you know, we, we have rotated probably a good 30 or 40 in and out at this point. Um, really, in, in some of these areas, as people are starting to come back, some of the local volunteer bases starting to come in and fortify and supplement our troops. Uh, but honest to God, if, if you're hanging out, you know, uh, I, I've got a SCA contest this weekend that I'm going to have to back out on because I'm probably heading down there. Um, you know, so sometimes you just got to think about like, what am I doing? What's really important, and how do I make a difference? So you could use another forty or fifty people at the site each and every day if you had 
you know, utopia. If we had utopia, we could use another 50 people easy. Um, we're, you know, we're, we're struggling uh, just because some of the things that are just harder than normal, um, two miles could take two hours around Panama City to, to go. So like a run to, the, to Lowe's or, or a run to go to Sam's Club, you know, that normally you could be back in an hour is taking four and five hours. So when you're set up and you are uh, cooking out this food and getting ready to serve, are you then taking it out to, you know, points within a certain radius? Do people know that they just have to come to a particular spot where OBR is set up and then you can get food there? How does that operate? So, Greg, that's a great question. We're actually doing some different things right now. Um, we have kind of partnered with the Salvation Army uh, where they realized that we had much greater cooking capabilities than they have. And we've realized that they have better distribution capabilities than we have. So we're cooking food. They're distributing food. That's one branch of how we're getting food out into the community. Um, we are still, as we always do, doing uh, some meals available on site for people to come in and eat. Um, so they can come in if they can get that hot meal right on site. Uh, we do large capacity pickup where people can come get 500, 1,000 meals for their church uh, or, or their community center, the, the fire department, if you will. And then uh, one of the most important things that I uh, will fight forever as part of Operation Barbecue Leaf to never lose hold of, and that is get our folks in, in our vehicles, out into the community, handing out that one important meal that makes a difference in somebody's life. And, and you know, we, we start to become numb with how big these numbers have gotten over the years and how much we can really kick out. So it's really important to me that we always keep uh, close to us that, that individual personal touch where we're out there with our volunteers handing out single meals. David Marks joining me here on the show, Operation Barbecue Relief. Obviously, if you are uh, moved uh, listening to this here live or on podcast, uh, please hit up the website, operationbbqrelief.org, and then crash that donate button. Uh, no amount is too big. Absolutely no amount is too big. Uh, so please uh, give freely, give openly, give uh, early and often, uh, because uh, that's, I, I don't want to speak for you, Dave, but I believe in past conversations we've said, you know, what helps the most? A lot of people want to show up with a grill or, you know, 15 pork butts or something, but uh, cash infusion is typically in these scenarios the best things to do, right? Absolutely. I mean, like right now, the reality is, is uh, I am in search of trying to secure four truckloads of number ten cans worth of vegetables, mm. just so we can keep up with the sides. Four tractor trailer loads. We're talking about, you know, eighty pal eighty pallets of of number ten cans. Um, we can buy that a lot better than you can bring us a number 10 can as long as we have uh, you know, that, that purchasing power and, and those donations. We can make that go really far. Uh, there were two really good promo pieces on Operation Barbecue Relief recently. Uh, one, I believe, was through People.com, and then there was this other 60-second video documentary. You're actually uh, part of that one. Uh, so that was probably the, the North Carolina one you were just referencing. Yes, as, sir. as the marketing officer – how do you track what kind of impact those pieces have for the organization? Is it visible? Is it is it trackable? Or is it just good to have the name out there and see what you guys are doing? So you know that that, that that's really interesting. The first thing I can tell you right off the the bat is sixty second the sixty second doc video, uh, which is actually three minutes long. Uh, came out two days ago. It was 
made public two days ago, and it already has 185,000 views. Wow. So I would start off with just saying, that, and that that's people who watched it. It didn't come through somebody's feed. That's 185,000 views. So uh, I can tell you this. I've never been able to do anything like that. Um, you know, that that's incredible. So those things are really valuable. Um you know, as Operation Barbecue Relief continues to grow, things like People.com, the People magazine, um, you know, that's so much the depth, the depth and the breadth is so much further out than than we've gotten over the years. And and, and I appreciate everything that that, you know, Barbecue Central shows done for us and and that others have done and, and, and the different things that people have done to help us get our name out there. But, you know, with that being said, th- this is so wide and so deep. It's America. It, you know, it's not barbecue anymore. Uh, and we will always be barbecue at the core. But, you know, these kind of uh, opportunities where we get put out there in the forefront um, outside of barbecue really is what's going to continue to grow what we do and, and make it possible for us to do more for people. You know, people in barbecue, I, I, we use the, the terminology that, uh, you know, people have uh, donation fatigue. You know, the, so many in the barbecue world have already done so much for us that, you know, it's hard to continue to go back and ask everybody. Uh, it is for me. I feel terrible when you ask somebody who just spent two or three weeks away to come back again. And, and you know, this really allows us to grow. So when somebody sees that, that isn't within the barbecue community or is just being introduced to OBR at that point, and now they're ready to say, hey, how do I become a volunteer or how do I become eligible for deployment? What's that process? So the process is actually continuing to get better as we continue to grow as well. Uh, we've got a new chief technology officer who's really introduced a lot of great technology for us. Um, you know, you can always go on the on the website and register as a volunteer or donate. Um, but we actually have an app now um, where you can go on, download the app on the Play Store, iTunes, whatever, and download that app. And then you can go in and register on that app. And then you can go s- literally sign up for shifts that you want to uh, participate in. So, you know, this weekend there's the Kansas City Marathon. People could sign up to uh, work at the marathon. People can sign up to work shifts in Tallahassee or Panama City. Uh, and actually, you know, I'm going to announce this is crazy, but we're actually opening up another deployment. Uh, effective tomorrow in South Texas because there's flooding going on. Yeah. So, I mean, we are really pushing our resources and, and technology is what's going to allow us to continue to uh, do that as well. Um, I do want to give you uh, you know a minute or two, if you want, to mention any of the, the big name sponsors and partners that OBR works with because, you know, for all the times you've been on, I don't know if we've really paid a huge amount of attention to them, but they're obviously a very integral part of the whole success. Integral part. So I, I can tell you right off the bat a couple really cool things uh, today, and it's probably a little bit too late at this point, but Sonny's Barbecue's donating 10% of all their sales from today. Wow. Uh, Yeti Coolers is going to be donating uh, sales from uh, a specific day uh, in an upcoming week or two, uh, as they did for us last year after Hurricane Harvey. Uh, Blue Rhino continues to be incredible, providing us with propane, showing up, getting us fuel when we need it. Um, I, I don't even know where to stop with Seaboard Foods. Uh, ultimately, you know, uh, Prairie Fresh and uh, Butterball just, I mean, I don't believe we've had a bill 
for any food that they've sent us. Um, it's just over the top incredible. They are amazing. Uh, and there's more, uh, you know, the Lowe's Foundation uh, has given us some money. We just got a grant from Duke Energy uh, literally today. Um, you know, I could continue to go on. Th these companies, uh, you know, when you say it takes a village, uh, a lot of times they tell us how proud of us that they are. And I tell them, you know, look, it takes a village and you guys live in our village. We can't do it without you. Uh, David Marks joining me here on the show. Uh, from a fundraiser's standpoint, aside from people just going and donating personally, do you have events coming up here before the year closes out that would benefit OBR? You know, we have, uh, we, we do. Thanks for asking, Greg. Uh, at the World Food Championships, uh, we have a, a, a great event coming up. And uh, you can uh, buy tickets to a dinner event, the Blue Skies uh, event at the World Food Championships, where we have five uh, world-class chefs coming in, preparing dinner. Love to have you if you're at the World Food Championships uh, at our event. Uh, really going to be an amazing uh, event for dinner uh, uh, during that uh, time. I believe it is on Thursday night. I apologize if I'm wrong, uh, during the World Food Championships. All right, so uh, check that out. We're talking with David Marks. He is the uh, chief marketing officer for Operation Barbecue Relief, also a pretty damn good competitive barbecue cook when he gets a chance to get out there. Uh, and please visit the website, operationbbqrelief.org. Again, uh, go ahead and smash that donate button and uh, do it till it hurts because the cash helps the quickest uh, because they know what they're doing. Uh, David, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for doing it. Hey, thank you so much. We appreciate all you do for barbecue. You got it. There he is, David Marks. Wilbur's Revenge Pitmaster, if you All need him. All guests appear via the Traeger Bills hotline. Chief Marketing mm -hmm. Officer for Operation Barbecue Yummy. Relief. Once again, OperationBBQRelief.org. That's OperationBBQRelief.org. Hit the donate button and make a cash donation right now during the show. Help them out. Tallahassee. They are in right now, and as he had just mentioned, they're getting ready to head down to Texas for deployment down there. I'd actually gotten an email from a Texas embedded correspondent, Doug Scheiding, saying that the 2018 Smoke and Blues and Barbecue Festival had been canceled or has been canceled because of adverse weather conditions. So that's uh, Duncanville, Texas. So it's getting bad down there again, and uh, they will be opening up a new deployment. That's Operation Barbecue Relief. Again, please go ahead and donate as you see fit, OperationBBQRelief.org. That's OperationBBQRelief.org. Let me talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. If you're looking for a pellet cooker that you can take on tailgates in the middle of football season or you just like to camp and you want some pellet-fired goodness instead of uh, charcoal or something else or gas, then you want to look at the Davy Crockett. Folks, this thing actually holds a tremendous amount of food for the size and for the portability, you just can't beat it. If you don't have access to a traditional power outlet, don't worry. You can use your 12-volt outlet that's in your car and you're off and running. Plus, again, pellet-fired, so the flavor is there. Now, if you want something a little bit bigger, a little more for the backyard type stuff, no problem. They got the Jim Bowie, which is the big boy, and then they got the Daniel Boone, which is medium size. So, depending on what size family you have, or maybe you're just the guy or gal that likes to have the biggest one that any manufacturer offers, so that's the Jim Bowie. If you like to be a little bit more economical, you want something that isn't 
too big, but can accommodate the bigger cooks if you need to get them. The Daniel Boone is the one you're going to want to take a look at. Now, here's the great stuff. Accessories, right? They got rubs and sauces, hooks and spatulas and all that stuff that goes together with the Green Mountain Grills, no matter what model you get. But the Jim Bowie and the Daniel Boone can also accommodate that pizza oven insert for like 130 bucks or less. That's something you're definitely going to want to take a look at. Uh, just rip the guts out of those cookers, drop down the pizza oven insert, and away you go. It's pizza party time. You can turn out pizzas in as little as two to three minutes, depending on what you're cooking at. Here's the rule of thumb. Set your cooker at 350 degrees, and then in the oven, it's roughly double at the stone, so about 700. I prefer in that uh, 320 range. That's just me, but if you want to ramp it all the way up to 1,000 degrees, set that cooker for 500, and away you go. All right, uh, that is GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. Long-time sponsor of the show. Truly appreciate it, Jason Baker and the gang out there. What's happening? And we'll be back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, thanks again to David Marks, Operation Barbecue Relief's Chief Marketing Officer. Again, he's also the pitmaster of Wilbur's Revenge Barbecue Team, and he owns a handful of Famous Dave barbecue joints under the Pitmaster LLC company name, which is a Famous Dave's franchisee. Uh, if you want to donate to Operation Barbecue Relief, as I have been mentioning, Operation BBQ Relief.org. Again, that's Operation BBQ Relief.org. Smash the donate button and then go ahead and donate whatever it is you could possibly donate. As he was saying, and as a point of reference, uh, Centralite Jeff Stone is uh, actually down there at Ground Zero. This is the look out of his front ho- uh, out of the, the front of his house. And as David was saying, it looks like a tornado coupled with a hurricane rolled through and created that kind of damage. And that's what Jeff is looking at out of the front of his house. So Jeff, uh, glad to know you're okay, but it looks like there's a tremendous amount of cleanup to be done. Lot of a uh, lot of wood right there. A lot of wood. But look at that. I mean, it's just all blown over. Wow. Jeff and everybody else, stay positive out there. Glad you made it through. And again, if you're looking to help and you're listening here to the show live or you want to go after podcasts and help out because uh, donations don't have to be just now during the live show between 9 and 11. They can be done at any time and at any point that it makes sense for you. Operation BBQ Relief. Org. That's Operation BBQ Relief.org. Go to my Facebook page and watch that 60 second video documentary. Documentary. Which again is about three minutes long. And see, uh, David's in that one. So good to see him out there. But really gives you an idea of uh, what's going into a day's operation and where they're getting out to, handing off meals, and then most importantly, seeing. 
the recipients' faces. It seems far-fetched that one hot barbecue meal, a pulled pork sandwich with a great side, is something that can change somebody's outlook. But why do we gather around the dinner table? Why do we associate some of the most important times of our lives with food? Because it has that effect. So help them out. OperationBBQRelief.org. That's OperationBBQRelief.org. We're back for the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back.